This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat podcast. Join you every Thursday evening here in the UK and uh, slightly earlier over in the States. Uh, I'm very happy to be joined, of course, by our regular guest. I'm joined by the Doc. How are you doing, Doc? Good, you well? Yeah, doing well. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Also joined by Sophie. How are we? It's late for me. It's 11 p.m. where I am in the world. Mm. Um, so, you know, let the doc brag about his day just starting, among other things, in the green room, you know. Yeah, 9 p.m. here. <laughs> mid-day, mid-day. 9 p.m. here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. I think it shows the interconnectedness and the kind of the commitment that Arsenal fans show across the world at different times to, to have a chat and enjoy the footy as we did last night or last lunchtime if you're based in the states um mm-hmm. yesterday of course with arsenal taking on brentford in the cowboy cup uh, i want to do a little bit of of breakdown of that and then we'll start looking ahead to obviously this weekend and there's a few bits of news of course to talk about as well but uh yeah doc let's talk about what was uh a hard four one nil win in the end um you know it was a very changed squad very changed team a youngster was given a debut, Charles Sago Jr., um, given the opportunity to play, which I found great because mm-hmm. quite literally 24 hours prior, I was being told in my chat box that Arteta never gives youth a chance. So that was poetically brilliant that it happens uh, that evening. Um, but yeah, let me know what your thoughts of the game was, mate. Yeah, I mean, like you said, tough game in a way at Brentford. And um, they played a pretty strong squad, right? So... I thought I thought what really stuck out to me is that in years past, if if we had made this many changes, it would have would have been would have been a team that looked very fragmented and non-cohesive. Whereas this season, um, they looked way different in terms of fluidity, in terms of rhythm. And so that was really impressive to me. And then of course, just of course, you know, the win is great, but I thought the process in the second half didn't play as well. But still, everyone, I think, you know, dug in. So both halves were quite different. But they also showed how this side can, you know, get the job done what they when they need to. And they've done that on away all, all season thus far, right? It's almost like they have a little bit more focus and edge on the road compared to when they're at home, where they might be just relying, oh, you know, we're at home. We're going to win this game, which tends to lead to a little bit of sloppiness. Whereas you, on the road, you get you have to be locked in. So that's an interesting trend for I think to, to follow. Um, I like, of course, like seeing some of the guy. You know, ESR of course was in there. Reese was in there. Sago, as you mentioned. So I enjoyed you know seeing these guys get more playing time, and you know seeing Havers get more kind of bedded in. Seeing Aaron kind of going back and forth with some of the away fans it was always fun, and seeing him show show um, what he's capable of. So you know, I really enjoyed it. The TVR had a great debut. Tommy was excellent as well, right? So, um, good good challenge. There's a really good challenge at the, at the club pass. So, it was um, a good game. 
Yeah, so I mean, arguably, it was the biggest game of our season, um, the Carabao Cup. It's uh, a prestigious tournament that I think everyone should respect with the utmost. <laughs> You're such an arsehole. <laughs> I can't even get through that with a straight face. Um, but, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. I was obviously, I was there and I did enjoy it. There was kind of this, I put a tweet out with the, um, uh, with the, the, the live blog that I was doing saying, this is the, this could be the most important game of our season. Very tongue in cheek, obviously. But, you know, I, the evening played out interestingly, Ben. We talked a little bit about this after the game because City getting eliminated kind of opens up a little bit of Pandora's box about the League Cup because as soon as City are out, it's like, oh, they're not going to win it there because you just assume <laughs> that they're going to win the competition. Like they enter every competition, you expect them to win it, even though they didn't win it, of course, last season either because oh. Man- Manchester United did and had a fairly simple run to the to the, uh, the final, which which they beat a very good Newcastle side in the final. Um, but yeah, how did you feel about how the kind of the tournament after it, you know, turned transpired that we've progressed without Man City following us through? Well, the first thing I thought of was you, actually, and I, I wondered I if you <laughs> if you had changed your mind after your ranting news show um, the other morning. Which, by the way, can I just say I loved? I think it's one of my favourite ever Tom Canton news shows. Not only the Carabao Cup bit, but the Ivan Tony bit was just gold, absolute mm. radio gold. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you always have to look at it differently, right? If Manchester City go out of anything, whether it's the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, um, and even the Champions League. Uh, this is a tournament that we haven't won in 30 years. Uh, last time we won this, Super Kevin Campbell was playing, 93. And I think That's there's... Wow. Okay. Now, you, now you're just hey. making. Now, now you're double <laughs> assholing down on me. <laughs> um, it it feels to me like there's a there's something about the League Cup this year that I felt it a little bit before. I I think I chose us to win the League Cup, and maybe it was because I'm a sucker for like you know numbers, and we won it in '93, and here we are in 2023, and I think that it's a competition that this team can win. And what we need to do, Tom, is I know that people diminish this. This cup has been diminished. And that is by media, that is by managers, that is by fans. But it's silverware. And for this team to kind of win something and get that taste and feeling and build that culture of winning, I think it's really important. And how you do that, I don't think it matters if it's the FA Cup or the League Cup. And I get fans are not going to want us to go deep in this because you've got Champions League, you, you have the Premier League. Everyone can point to what happened last season um, in terms of injuries and cup, cup games and not sacrificing enough to win the league. But when you know like City are pretty much a shoe-in to win the Premier League um, and a lot of these players are not, weren't part of that FA Cup winning team now that Mikel Arteta inherited in his first season at the Arsenal I really, I really hope we can find a way to balance and manage it. This is the first season for me. It felt like Mikel, um, Pep Guardiola didn't really give a toss about this tournament, uh, this, this competition. How dare he? How dare he? <laughs> but he's taken it seriously, hasn't he, season after yeah. season? And they've won it multiple times. So I think, you know, Liverpool look good. Uh, of course, we've got West Ham next, a London derby. That's not going to be easy. But why not go for it and go for it with the players that you're playing? Give them a shot. It doesn't have to be Odegaard. It doesn't have to be Saka. We could do what Pep did. I'm not saying play our first our first team, Tom, but let's go for it. Why not? Yeah, look, I think that, you know, I said this to you afterwards on on, on Twitter, um, or X, sorry, um, that, you know, that it changes things. And, you know, factors like City exiting the competition should, you know, make you change your mind about things. It's certainly a big factor. And I always said from the start, to be fair, that the only the only reason we should be, you know, really getting knocked out is if it's a team that deserve to that are deservedly better than us, which City are. I think there are other teams like Liverpool that look very, very good this season, obviously, as well. Um, and obviously last season we got we got knocked out by a very good Brighton side when we rotated quite heavily and they didn't. So I kind of was expecting to get knocked out by them in some senses because they have a very good squad and we rotated very heavily. Um, but we have now dot West Ham away in the next game. And that game falls in between Sheffield United at home 
and then an away trip to Newcastle, um, which is obviously a very difficult one on a Saturday evening, 5.30. So well done, TV broadcasters. Thanks for scheduling that at 5.30. That's going to be great. Uh, we'll all be staying over in Newcastle. With, I'm sure no exuberant, uh, exuberant sorry, uh, hotel prices because it's now a 5.30 game. I'm sure mm. it's going to be really, really cheap to stay out there. Um, but uh, when it comes to that fixture placement and the added pressure on the schedule, do you think that's a fair concern to when when I kind of talk about how I'm I'm kind of a bit indifferent about the tournament because I just think there's so many so many bigger fish to fry in that sense. Yeah, I mean, an ideal world. So if you want to go, no, 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 no. I was just uh, so just like, oh, I was just oh, God, this link up me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to battle on four fronts, right? So at some point, but I mean, I think I think. You, you know, you, like we saw in, in versus Brentford, there is the depth potentially, you know, with this team to be able to do that, especially if you get players back from injury, right? So, I mean, the majority of the players who played weren't uh, first teamers, right? Weren't starting 11. So the, the depth is depth certainly there. It just really becomes a matter of can you get players back and, and not have these guys who are normally playing in – um, you know, playing as a backup now, having to have to play more minutes as a starter, right? So then, then it becomes now you might have to go to your third and fourth string players in a Carabao Cup, which then of course opens yourself up to risk, right? So there's so many considerations going on. Playing every three days for the most part, it's just in rotation, and you have guys playing year round now, you know, all the time due to international, and so it, it, it's all a consideration more than it ever was before. People always ask me, you know, why are footballers getting hurt more often? Dude, they're playing more games than they ever have in the history of the game. So that's why you have these top managers saying we, we, these guys need rest. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a tough, it's a really, really tough decision and balancing act. So I think Mikel does value the cup. I think he understands the value of winning. I think he understands the value of getting players into these knockout games. Because there's still a, there's a different pressure that comes with knockout games, right? And you can only adapt to that if you've played in them. And so I, I think he values it. But at the same time, it's just that risk-reward proposition. I don't agree that he's valued the domestic trophies um, over the last couple of seasons. I think he's actually sacrificed. Last season, he sacrificed both cups, I think, yeah. for the pursuit I, of the league. And, I, and I, I'm not saying that was wrong, Doc, at all. Yeah. I'm saying with the depth on this current team is what I oh, mean. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. this iteration. Yeah. I mean, this is a great opportunity for this uh, th- this squad um, to, you know, if you're, look at the kid that played yesterday, the, another Haylander, right? I mean, what a great opportunity for, for him. Um, Kivior, you know, had a, had a decent game. Tommy, Tommy Asu, even though we brilliant. need Tommy Asu, you know, he's brilliant um, and he can play in the first team and he, and he has done, of course. But be a great storyline as well for these fringe, some fringe players, but also those players that don't start week in, week out to kind of deliver a trophy for, for, for the club. Um, I don't think we should sacrifice, you know, when you say bigger fish to fry, Tom, what do you mean by that? I mean that, oh, Sophie's, <laughs> Sophie's coming back, there we go. <laughs> I wasn't kicking you out, I swear, you did, you asked <laughs> How dare you question me? Get, get, get rid <laughs> um, No, I think when it comes to, like, the whole bigger fish to fry, my, my idea of that is that I just see things as higher priority in the list of what I've got on my mind for Arsenal. Like, I've got the Premier League and Champions League in kind of this joint, but I, I'm kind of eking the Champions League slightly higher than the Premier League just because I think we've got a really great chance of that competition this season, more mm. so than the Premier League. So I, I kind of look at the Champions League and then the Premier League then the FA Cup, which is a competition I love. And, you know, there's such a romanticism about the FA Cup because of our history with it, with it being the greatest domestic cup competition in the world. And then beyond that is if the Premier League isn't something we're going for, we need to make sure that we're in the Champions League again next season. And so finishing in the top four or five, depending on what it's going to be for this season, um, is really important. And then for me, it's the League Cup. So that's when I say we've got bigger fish to fry, is that there's this idea that there are things we need to have and must have before I think about the League Cup as anything more than a bonus in that regard. Mm. I wouldn't trade the League Cup, as I've talked about, for Champions League qualification next season. 
you know, I'd rather have a shot at the Champions League next season than sacrifice potentially getting into that with a deep run. I'm not saying that you have to sacrifice it, you know, to to, to go down. I mean, to be honest, if you're going deep in the in the League Cup, we should be good enough still to get top four without you know without question. Right. So that is that does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense, but at the same time, we, we don't have that winning culture. And when you when Manchester City's the bar, right, and you look at how Pep has managed um, you know, his team, his squad over the last few seasons, the, the the insatiable pursuit of victory time and time again, you know, there's there's no excuses. And as I said, this is the first season it felt like he sacrificed this competition because he has bigger fish to fry. And, and the fish that we fried, we haven't even eaten it, you know, because we haven't won. This, by uh, the way. This, is <laughs> <laughs> this fish analogy has gone way too far. <laughs> way too far. But, I, I, you know, I think, I think it's a great opportunity. I'm not saying, you know, play the first teamers. Um, but for me, you know, when you, when you talk about developing – um, hunger and and winning. This is a great opportunity for Mikel to do that, and he talks about it. So back it up is what I'm saying. Don't be. Let's not keep being the almost team. Oh, we almost won the Premier League. Oh, we gave it a good shot in the Champions League. No, let's bloody win stuff. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think that what we're in a position to do this season is something a lot more uh, competitively than what last season was. The, the, the squad is deeper, but, and this comes back to injuries again, Doc, like I can't help but get frustrated with how many players we're missing. It looks like Trossel and Martinelli won't make this weekend. Saka hopefully will. Rice probably won't be risked. Uh, Partey's ahead of schedule, which is a good thing. You know, hopefully he'll be back for the Man City game potentially, or maybe even the Lawns game, so we can give some of them maybe a few minutes before the Man City game. That's really important if we can do that. But I can't help but get really frustrated with the injuries that we're getting. And the question I have for you is that if these keep happening, is there something to be said about a change of kind of, do the crosshairs change? Does the target not change in the sense of like, we should not be aiming as high, but should the expectations of fans be tempered somewhat because of our luck of injuries being horrific? Not just like we didn't prepare enough in the summer, but we lose our first, then second choice, the end first and second choice left winger. We lost our we lost Gabriel Jesus at the start of the season. Who knows what his knee could turn out like the rest of the season? You know, these are mental injury problems. It's not just like what teams should prepare for with a deep squad. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you have that many injuries, of course you're going to have a, a downtick in performance, right? Naturally. I mean, how do you overcome that? So that's really mm -hmm. difficult, especially when you have multiple injuries in the same position and, and positions that are integral to how Mikel wants to play. And so, I mean, that's just that. Then again, you know, at the same time, there's other teams who also have suffering through injuries as well. Right. And so I mean, injury, it, it's it's tough because injuries are part of the game. And like you said, injury luck does come into play, does come into play as well. And so. It's just when you have when this many amount of injuries, you just have to do the best you can to get through them. Luckily, none of them seem to be long term, other than timber thus far. And so, I mean, let's see, let's see. But if you have, like, you know, I remember what was it two years ago when we started, the team had COVID, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, the club has started." Like seven of the starting eleven were missing, right? And so, like, how do you expect to have results when you don't have the players you want on the pitch? That being said, I think we saw during you know, yesterday's match that that there are players who can step up at least in the short term to be able to bridge bridge the gap i think it's really just a matter of how long term the injuries become now if it's a week or two you, you can make do if it's longer than that and you're talking about you know sustained games and a lot of those players who aren't used to minutes are getting heavy minutes now they're open to injury and that i mean of course they're in a fatigue out like we saw with emil last night second half clearly not, you know, mm. his fitness isn't there, right? And his, he, he kind of petered off second half. So that's something you would suspect to happen over time with players who just, whose fitness level isn't there, right? And so I think you, I think it has to be taken into consideration. It has to. As much as, you know, we want to, of course, we have expectations, but you also have to look at the realities of, of, the, of the, how healthy your roster is. 
the January window might be an opportunity for Arsenal to strengthen and to maybe try and catch the injury issue by the tail and, and deal with it in some senses. It's also a window that could see the availability of a potential striker, and that striker is, of course, Ivan Tony. I've talked about him at length, and I wanted to kind of open the floor up to you guys and, of course, the chat box to get some of their thoughts on this. Sophie, you've got a wry smile on your face. Um, so, I, you know uh, why? Because the chat box are just delivering on every level right now. Now with regards to fish it's uh it's quite spectacular and i'm really trying not to laugh out loud that's why i've been grinning for the it's last probably five my favorite minutes from john there's a time and a place for fish analogies oh yeah that's brilliant it's well, very I good very absolutely good love it love it um, um but yeah let's skate on through to this different topic here uh and <laughs> and talk about tony um because i i'm not you know, I, you know my view on it. I don't know if Raj, you've seen my kind of views on Tony Elliott. A whole article today um, talking about why I'm not convinced as well um, by the idea of Tony. In short, for those that are listening for the first time, I just feel that Arsenal in 2023-2024 going into next season trying to establish themselves in the Champions League and close the gap to Man City, I'm not convinced Tony's the guy that does that for us. Yes, I get the argument that he's better than Nketiah and Tony and Jesus is a better combination than Jesus and Nketiah, but for me, we should be looking to upgrade on Jesus and then Jesus becomes the replacement for Nketiah and you level things up in the pairing that way. I also think that stylistically, uh, Jesus is kind of the... If you look at a model of what I think of an Arteta striker, I want that and I want it to a higher level. Um, whether that exists is a different question, of course. And I think I'd rather wait until the summer to assess what options are available then than rush in and invest in that spot that we've got maybe available in January of Tony. But Sophie, what are your thoughts on this debate about Tony? Um, I think you and I align where he's concerned. I think that he's been phenomenal for Brentford. Uh, he has a, 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 an asset that we've lacked, I think, even since maybe Giroud uh, left. You know, a target forward that you can just pile crosses into. It's a shame Kieran Tierney's not here anymore. But, you know, that's the type of... And I just, I, Arteta just doesn't want to play that way, does he? But I do think that sometimes we lack a plan B. But what does that plan B look like in terms of the way Mikel Arteta likes to play? And a lot of the times for us Arsenal fans, we talk about that plan B being more of a target man. Um, I think he's, his stats are a little bit overblown. He scores a lot of penalties. Uh, but there's, he's strong, he's physical, he knows the Premier League. And I think there's a reason why many Arsenal fans like him. I think the one thing that for me, I'm not going to try and you know, kick a man while he's down, but character has a lot to do with Mikel Arteta and how he recruits players and that DNA profile, Tom, that we've talked about before. Um, is he going to be, is, is he going to come back stronger, better mentally? I think he's the type of player that will, but is he the type of player that fits into the culture of Mikel Arteta's arsenal? I don't think so. Um, and talent wise, I think you're right. If you want to elevate the team, you've got to go for a, a more, a more prolific, more, elevated, more kind of superstar type player because Jesus offers so much and I still feel like some Arsenal fans don't appreciate him in terms of what he does for this team because they want him to score goals week in, week out. And maybe he should, but when you have 15 goals from Saka, 15 from Odegaard, you had Martinelli last season, scoring goals isn't our problem. I think you wrote something, Tom, um, which I thought was really great about Scoring goals isn't our problem. Creating chances is yeah. maybe one of our problems. Yeah. We're 12th in the league for big chances created and we're 8th in the league for shot conversion. Like, I want to be higher in terms of shot conversion, but if we are 2nd in the league for big chances created and 8th for shots con converted, you know we're still going to have far more goals than we have now. Yeah, and, and, and to me that stat is alarming. If you want to win the league, you've got to be better that if you want to progress you know to those elevated city levels you've got to be better at that so does tony change that i don't know um but i'd i'd rather we went I w i'd rather and osman's come up now because of everything that's going on at napoli um and you know but he's the ilk of player that i would love to add after you get a declan rice you spend 105 million and you're thinking like he's one of the best midfielders in the world that's what i want to see arsenal do the striker, look what, look what City, look what City were able to do with Haaland. 
They won the treble. That would yeah. never have happened if Haaland wasn't in that team, Tom. Never. No, I agree. I think that he did elevate them to that level. They wanted to go out and bring the player in that was going to take them to the, the side that would win them the Champions League. And they did it in the first year that they had Erling Haaland. And that's what can happen if you make the perfect signing. And mm -hmm. Arsenal, for me, should only really be trying to look to make perfect signings at this stage. Now, the Kai Havertz deal, obviously, Raj, is, is split people. And I want to encourage patience. I want to encourage time. But people have a right to be concerned about that situation because we invest a lot of money. And we've seen other clubs invest less money in more impactful players like Zoboslai and Madison and players like this, you know. So I think people have a right to be maybe a little bit you know, concerned or even critical at this stage, but not, I don't want to write players off for this early in their Arsenal career, especially after the three years he's had at Chelsea. But for me, I think we have to be making the absolute peak perfect decision in that striker department when it next becomes available. And I just don't think Tony's that, but tell me your thoughts. You might tell me I'm wrong. No, I agree with both of you. I think we're at this, we're at the stage where you, you have to look for world-class players to ra really raise a level and raise the the project to the next level, right? So mm. spending that 67, whatever Brentford's asking for, right? We know the numbers will be inflated in public because they always are. But whatever that number is, 50 plus, I don't think you I'd rather spend use that on a player like Osaman, like a Ferguson, potentially. All that's gonna be a massive bidding war, I think, as well. And so to really get the striker you want, right? Uh, who can take you to that next level. So um Agree, you guys. You know, in terms of Kai, that he played, I think he played quite well yesterday in general. So I think he's coming along. I think he's a guy. It's just it's tough when you're adapting. I think the key for me yesterday was when Zinchenko and Jesus came in the game, he went to another gear. He really, he's a player. Who, he's an IQ player who really relies on the quality around him. He's not a guy who's gonna take someone on, right? He's a connector. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And whether that's, you know, the price tag is a price tag. He didn't he didn't dictate his price tag. So I always find it unfair to base, you know, to grade a player based on the price that he had nothing to do with. But, you know, his role on the team is a connector right now. Does he need more confidence going forward in the final third? Absolutely. But once he finds that, I think you're going to see that next evolution of that advanced eight. And, man, I mean, I know everyone makes fun of it, but, dude, he's, he's a monster off the ball, man. He really, really is a monster off the ball. And I think it's part of why... Sophie mentioned part B. I think Mikel's multiple times this season versus Tottenham, for example, the plan A has been to sit back and use the press as the main weapon, right? And I, and I think a lot of that is due to our out-of-possession play and how good it's gotten. So, you know, it's an interesting evolution for the team. Of course, it's a work in progress, but I think in general, you're 100% correct. We're at the point now where we have to spend money on world-class players. Yeah, absolutely. We have to go and try and get the absolute elite option that is possible. Um, Sophie, I don't want to go on too long about Ivan Tony because it is obviously a, a thing. I want to get your thoughts and feel free to be as um, blunt as you like on this, but how much does the the social side of the Tony situation, should that come into our thinking any way, shape or form? Um, you know, from, Just to give you kind of my view, um, do you think that a player like that has to go through that situation with a a betting problem um, that he's getting help for it. Uh, and I think that that's great. I think the fact that they've identified that that's an issue and he's getting the help that he needs is fantastic. I've ever had the issue with the betting side of things. That's not been a problem for me because, you know, people have situations and stuff and they have to get help for certain things. The issue I had was always the videos regarding the disrespect towards Brentford. That was kind of the issue I had with the player. Um, yeah. And people have seen those videos. What do you make of that? So is that in any way, should it be a deterrent for that 100%. deal? 
A hundred percent. When you, um, in any walk of life, any industry, when you hire somebody, you take into account um, a lot of facets, right? Mm. And when you're investing millions and millions of pounds, you have to be a little bit more ruthless in terms of the criteria. And I'm not saying that Ivan Tony isn't a good person. I'm not saying, and I'm, I, and I'm certainly not judging him. However, if I'm investing, if I'm looking to invest for, for Arsenal Football Club, I want, I want a clean slate. I don't want anyone with baggage. We all have baggage in some way, but the less baggage we have, the better. We've seen, we've seen um, other players with uh, gambling issues. We've seen players with drinking issues, all of those things. And I hope that he's kind of seen that he made the massive mistake. But for me, just to think you're a professional footballer and you're betting on games, you know, in the manner in which he did and the, and the, velo- the velocity, is that the right word? The, the, just the sheer numbers. Oh, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's alarming. So it, everyone deserves a second chance, Tom. There's Absolutely. no doubt about that. And he deserves a sh- second chance. But do I necessarily want his second chance to be at the Arsenal? I don't think so. Yeah, as I say, like the, the betting thing for me is it's kind of that you have that and then you have the 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 social media post. The social media post is, is where I my head's at in kind of one of the blocks. But I do think it's important to point out that and to have the undertone. And the reason why I'm, the main reason I wanted to bring it up was because something that often gets kind of aimed at, at people that maybe aren't as keen on Tony is that you're only saying you don't want Tony because of these things. And whilst mm. I think that it's a factor in the decision making process, it doesn't create an agenda for me. And all of the decision-making behind why I'd rather sign somebody other than Tony is based purely on the football side of things. And I just think that Arsenal need to move for a player that is of a higher calibre um, than, than Ivan Tony. Uh, Raj, just to get some of your quick thoughts and then we'll put a bow on that section. No, I'm, I'm pretty much on board. Same, same exact thing. I understand all the office concerns. But for me, just from a... Let's say none of that even existed from a pure footballing perspective, the phase of the project. I think we're past Tony, right? Especially when it comes to opportunity cost. If you can use that money, let's say, for a player, that's going to be a different level of player, right? And I think the club has shown that they're willing to spend, right? So I think we should be spending on guys who can really push the top limit of the team. Yeah, sure. Um the weekend we've got a trip to Bournemouth and we are going to be without a number of first team players. So did you feel like anyone on Wednesday played themselves into contention and should start that wouldn't have been starting if it weren't for those injury issues? I think Tommy Arsu is the one that just springs to mind immediately. Um, and this is an opportunity, isn't it, Bournemouth, to maybe rest a couple of players. I wouldn't... I. Uh, I w- sorry, I just I just saw a comment. It's not about me. That, some people are upset about my Tony take, but you know that's oh, my opinion, folks. I've been so. all week, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I respect yours as well. It's just not my cup of tea, not my kind kind of player. And you know what? I see him at Chelsea. I see him. At, I actually could see him at Tottenham, um, but I just don't see him at uh, at the Arsenal. Uh, yeah, I think Tommy Arsu, Tom. I think that he's he he was great. I think he showed leadership as well the other night. Um, seems to be, is it me or technically does he seem to look improved this season? I know it's, I know it was like Brentford in, in the cup and whatever, but Brentford's still a really good side. It just seemed to me like his touch, um, was a little bit sweeter. His positioning was even better. I just think he had, I think he's better there. Do you think so? Yeah. I think, I think, I think he's good at fullback. I like him at fullback, but he's not he's not going to do the things in the final third that you want from a fullback. I think Ben White mm. does things in the final third that, that Tommy Asu can't do. Um, yeah, I agree with His that. combinations with Saka are better. I think that um, his, the way in which he can invert and bring the ball in field is, is better than Tommy Asu. Tommy Asu is a better, for me, defender than Ben White and good centrally, better than Ben White is. And I'm really glad that Arteta made the choice to start White at right-back and Tommy Asu at centre-back rather than the other way around. So I think on paper, you see those two on a, on a sheet, you would put Tommy Asu right-back and White at right-side centre-back because that's the way we've come to expect those two to play um, when they're on the field together, unless Tommy's at left-back, of course. And I just feel that when Tommy's working in a smaller section of the field, he can do a lot more. Um, when he's like kind for of Japan. Respect- 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He plays left centre back for Japan. He had that game against Germany. Was absolutely brilliant. Mm. The problem is, is I I agree with you. I think he's the type of player that played himself into contention. But if he comes into the team at the weekend, it's probably going to be to play right back. It's not going to be to play in either of the centre back positions. So I think Ben White had a bit of an off-ish game on Wednesday night. I wasn't wildly enthralled with his his game. He was Arteta berated him at one point in the first half. Like he shouted at him across the field for I think it was his potential positioning. Um he did make up for it and did like a little sweet move for a couple of players, then played the ball inside to Jorginho and he got a big double thumbs up from Arteta when he did that. I was watching it quite closely. Um but I didn't think I didn't did, his performance didn't inspire me in, in that game like he had done in the majority of last season. I think if Tommy Asu's going to come in, it would probably be to play at right back, which despite all of his strengths he showed. So I think it's great that, we, that we've got someone that can give us real depth at centre half, especially because Kivior looks more adept, Raj, at, at left back. I really, really enjoyed Kivior's mm. performance at left back. The, the, the block he made was unbelievably good, of course, but his passing is good, his movement's good, he calls for the ball and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, I think we've, we've seen him play at left back position multiple times now, right? Even that great move, which was, you know, the Kai pass ended with Reese missing the shot that started with Kivior finding Zinchenko as an outlet, right? Ball went to Jesus, and then uh, Kai made that great run. So you know, he looked super, super comfortable doing that. Uh, you know, for Tomi, I think part of it for him, like there was, he went a long stretch without playing much due to injury, right? So it mm. takes time to rebuild match confidence, match rhythm, match fitness. And I think Mikel might have seen that tape from Japan and been like, dude, I need to play this guy at center back just because he looked so much more comfortable, right? And so, and then, you know, for the multiple reasons you said, I also think he, he might've wanted Ben there to play because obviously there's a new right, the new right wing rather than Sokka. So yeah. maybe, you know, bet him in uh, better too. And so, uh, yeah. And there's what, I mean, he's, he's looking better and better. The question with him is just, you know, avoiding, I think avoiding soft tissue injuries, which have played him throughout, throughout his career thus far. And so, mm. oh, that reminds me one thing I want to, Shout out a post that you the, the post that you made about the Ben White passing stat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see I didn't see anyone mention that during the game. If you want to give some background, I don't remember. I didn't see any. Yeah, um, like I I did my winners and losers piece afterwards, and I got the sense watching the game. I was like, Ben's not really passing to this kid. Like <laughs> that's that's how I, the feeling like. I was like, I, there's times where he was kind of making runs or moving in space, and I thought Ben could pass it, and I was like, he's not passing to him. And I was like, that can't be right. And I, I wrote it in my, I put Ben White into my loser section because I thought he was probably one of the less high performing. I only put Ben White of all the players. The other two were like more talking points, like fixture congestion and fitness demands and things like this. But uh, this morning I woke up and did the show and I said the same thing. And a lot of people in the chat box agreed with me. They were like, yeah, he wasn't passing to Sago Jr. And a lot of people turns out had the same view as me. So I was like, oh, I must be pretty vindicated. And then I was doing the show with Umar on the Arsenal way. And Umar brought it up as well. So I was like, I'm just going to do a quick thing on Y Scout and see actually how many times he passed to Sago Jr. <laughs> and it turns out he passed more to Sago Jr. in that game than he passed to Saka against PSV and he passed a sacker against Spurs. So I was completely wrong. <laughs> like He was passing to him. And I think he, it was obviously passing more so in the first half than the second half because he came off in the second half. I think it was about seven in the first and three in the second. But it's amazing how like, and this is why I always say to people, like the eye test is not foolproof. Mm. And stats are really important to provide <laughs> context. So important. And it's things like that, which I think prove it. But go on. No, I just wanted to give you, I mean, I, I always find it, I, I think, especially online, there's so many people who try to avoid being wrong. So I really appreciated someone being like, hey, you know, my feeling on this or my eye test was wrong. And I think that's it's so important to understand we have to marry objective data with what we're seeing, right? It's not one or the other. They both inform each other. And e even if Ben hadn't passed to him, it would have made sense. These are two players who've never played together at this level, right, in a real game. So I actually would have understood maybe why he's not passing to him for whatever reason. There's not, there's not that chemistry or cohesion there. But I just wanted to call that out because I appreciated someone on Arsenal Twitter actually being like, hey, I was wrong. He's going to no, do I... it again. He's going to do it again in February when we win the Carabao Cup. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't have been wrong. That's true. I wouldn't have been wrong. Yeah. I had something to say. I'm not allowed to celebrate now if we win that tournament. I, I said, you know, we're going to be coming for you if we win that tournament. I'm like, look. I'm an Arsenal fan. I, I, you know, the community shield is a bit 
meh. You know, I'm not I'm not wildly fussed about the Community Shield and winning it. But I tell you what, I celebrated when we won it because I'm an Arsenal fan. You know, it's just my opinion that I don't rank the League Cup as highly as, as some other people do, and as you know, as, as much. It doesn't mean I can't celebrate. No, it's true. I'm just I, I love giving you a hard time you over it. You know, Super Kev always says he's like so. F- when you take that team photo, it's always a lot more fun when you've got something silver in front of you. Gosh. It's right for him. He was on the field. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually doing the winning. Very, very different. Oh. Um, speaking of, of that, I loved, I don't know if you saw this, I loved Martin Odegaard at the end of the game, took Charles Sago Jr. over to the fans um, for his moment, also took over Mohamed Elneny as well for his moment of return too. So that was that was fantastic to see. Um uh, a couple more things just before we come to the end of the show. Reese Nelson, Sophie, Trossard and Martinelli aren't going to be available from the sounds of things. Should he be the guy starting on the left wing? I would love to see him get a shot starting a game. I think he's earned it. You know, a lot of the times we talk about players earning um, their position in, in the team or at least getting an opportunity. Like, I couldn't believe it when I read your article today that it's been 499 days since Emil Smith-Rowe started a game for the Arsenal. (laughs) Um, Unreal uh, number there. And, yeah, I I would love to see what he does with a a full, at least, you know, starting and maybe if he's subbed or whatever at 70, 80, 90 minutes. But just to, to see him get the majority of the game and what and how he can influence it in that position. There's a reason why we re-signed him. Two of our premier plays are out. Give Reese Nelson a shot 100%. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any other surprise inclusions, Raj? No, I was going to say on Reese. the only – I mean, he certainly earned it. I thought he was excellent yesterday. Even just his ability, his confidence receiving the ball when he, in the middle of the pitch was something you really, haven't really seen from him that often, right? And so I really saw that level of play and, and that attack confidence – from him taking that next step. The only reason he might be limited in minutes is due to fitness. I mean, he played what I hope 80 plus hasn't played much. So I think if he does start, like Soph said, he would he would probably be subbed out earlier just to limit, not have that huge spike in minutes. Same thing for Emil. And Mikel even touched that on that after the game, saying he's had a big spike in minutes and, and kind of just overall intensity. So something you have to kind of keep an eye on. Tom, can I just ask the doc a real quick, uh, a quick question? Um, it, it came up. I one of the one of the. Like, uh, no. <laughs> he's, he's he's on one today, isn't he? Is, is this the third room that you've moved to? By the way, doc, I'm, I'm yeah, losing yeah. I'm losing count here. Um, yeah, I, I was reading something that um, like a premier Manchester City YouTuber had talked about and mentioned in the sense that these fringe players who come in, we expect miracles from them, right? Because they play, you know, for a top tier team or they they have achieved X, Y or Z or not, or, or they're supposed to be the next great thing, um, but they're not quite ready yet. When they get their chance, we expect all these miracles. But also from a fitness point of view, they're not match fit, right? So they're coming into games cold. I, w- I was wanting to ask you about that. Like our expectations sometimes may be a little bit too high and maybe we're a little bit too harsh in our criticism afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you see it you know, all the time. You know, maybe it's like the FIFA ultimate team conundrum, in my opinion, where the people think someone can just drop in right away and, you know, fit in. But there's so many other variables, whether it's fitness, whether it's rhythm, whether it's cohesion with teammates, right? There's all these other things that come into play in terms of how effective you're going to be. And so I think it's always, you know, I think it's always... I always find people to have expectations that are a little, little, maybe too elevated for some of these guys who haven't played much. It takes time mm-hmm. to adapt. Right. And so I, I'm always like, I think you, when you, when I watch a new player come in, you have to view it through a lens of that, of full context, not just within that singular game in a vacuum. Right. And so I think mm-hmm. I'm hundred percent with you on, on board with you. Mm. Cool. Interesting. Uh, last thing, just before we go to the personal goals to end the show, just want to address this comment from Anur in the chat who says, I think TC is influencing his views on Tony on his panellists, not only here, but on the Arsenal way as well. Um, trust me, Sophie and Doc can form their own opinions. <laughs> <laughs> They're very, very good at uh, you know deciding whether I'm right or wrong on topics, especially Sophie's not afraid to tell me when she thinks I'm wrong. So Anur, I can assure yeah. you that 
That is not happening. Doc, feel free to chime in as well. Am I influencing your views in any way? <laughs> I'm going to take no. the silence of agreement. <laughs> no. It's a hard, it's a hard no. It's a hard, I, I, I think if you've watched us before, we all have the same mentality when it comes to buying new players. It's always been trying to find players who are at a certain level and world-class and we're, we're applying that same principle, right, to Tony. So I would say don't conflate agreement with influence. Just Tom really has one. Go ahead, sorry. Very good. Very, Brilliant. very good. Brilliant. Um, let's let's go on to, to goals. My goal is to phase the doc out of my life. As far as <laughs> um, That's my wife's uh, uh, Doc, tell us how your personal goals go. I know we've talked to, uh, a couple of weeks now about overtraining and overdoing it sometimes. Have you managed to measure your life in, in more reasonable terms? Yeah, yeah, definitely been better. I think, I don't know if we talked about it, but there's, it's not a new theory, but something I'm applying to myself. Let your hard days be your hard days. Let your recovery days be your recovery days. So combining some of my stuff into one day, like my harder workout with the sports day, so the next day, I can actually allow my body to recover, and um, it, it's been significantly better. And I think the next step for me uh, in terms of goals, if we're going to do that, is just how to adapt to more travel, which is – I think we had, someone had mentioned that before, but I think Soph might be able to talk about that too, but how to adapt your, mm. you know, some of your fitness goals to if you're traveling a lot. So that's the next iteration for me. And Dove, I wanted what I wanted to ask you as well is because I know that you've got a lot of stuff going on as well. Um, how have you found the support of of kind of people around you in kind of focusing yourself as well? Yeah, I mean it's been it's really tough. And uh in these times you tend to look after yourself less, hmm. uh, which is never a good thing, right? Um, so for me, I've I've tried to find an outlet while I'm here. Uh, if I can't go every day, even if I could just go every other day for like an hour to the sea. And today I went down there and I was just doing, I was pretending I was a football player actually recovering from injury. And I was running in the sea and I was doing jumping jacks and I was doing like, you know, all sorts of things um, just to kind of make it, it was fun for me cooling down as well. But at the same time, I was trying to help myself by doing that. Um, so yeah, and it, there's just a lot to balance, isn't there for everybody? Sometimes you've got work, you've got things going on in your life. And a lot of the times now we're all juggling different things. It's not just one job. You're doing two or three different things. And so, um, personal self care sometimes takes a back seat, and that's kind of the worst thing that can happen. So that's the one thing I'm really trying to work hard on is, um, I'm eating a lot better while I'm here because I've got some home cooked, you know, not that I don't eat home cooked food there, but I'm really focused on a Mediterranean diet while I'm here. And that's been a really good thing. So that's been one of the bonuses, you know, lots of protein and salads and olive oil and all that type of stuff. Do you feel like you can carry it over back to the States or is it just not feasible? I know um, it's obviously easily I, accessible out there more so. I, I definitely, I, I, I've generally got a healthy lifestyle. However, there's more temptation, you know, to just grab an a pizza or grab an in and out. Yeah. So in those moments of being busy, um, you tend to go for the quick fix, you know, the, the quick service restaurant um, type of solution. Yeah. I do that less here. I've um, I'm still still. Uh, on kind of the losing streak, another low on Monday, 92.5. Uh, I hit on Monday, which I'm very happy about. Um, but what I would say is that I, my discipline's definitely slacked a little bit food wise. Like, uh, Brentford do a really good jam donut. That's all I'm going <laughs> to say. <laughs> it was very nice. <laughs> and I just saw it. I was like, that temptation just got the better of me in that one. I was like, I will regret it if I don't have one. I'll be on the train home hungry and thinking, I wish I had one of them. <laughs> It was the and cheesecake last time, wasn't it, Tom? It was the oh, cheesecake. I'm I'm real cheesecake. It was unbelievable. It was actually a joke how good it was. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm at Bournemouth at the weekend, so I'll report next Thursday. And I'm in France <laughs> on Tuesday as well. So I'll tell you what, um, 
the Bournemouth and Lons uh, food uh, was like. I'm Very expecting cool. a lot from the French, you know, on Tuesday. I'm <laughs> expecting plenty. Continental breakfast, like it's going to be. Great. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be. It's going to be a good trip, I'm sure. First time driving abroad, so that's exciting. Um, I've got to do what you guys do and drive on the wrong side of the road. I don't know why you guys do that. It's so strange. Um, but yeah, driving over on the right, doing everything the opposite is going to be very, uh, yeah. Why are you driving? Strange. Why are you driving, by the way? Um, it's cheaper for starters mm -hmm. to drive. Eurostar and travel is insanely expensive. It's only a Euro tunnel over and then an hour and a half into France and you're there. So it's actually like, I'm go yeah, it's probably quicker to go there than it is to go to Bournemouth on Saturday <laughs> that's kind of the difference uh, it's not far at all uh driving wise for me very so, nice yeah. lovely stuff um, are you are you taking Harry with you are you sharing the gas or he's not going sadly uh Harry's not going to be there a few a few of the journalists are making the trip some of them aren't um some of them are going to Seville instead I'm not sadly going to be able to go to the Seville one so they've picked the uh the hot uh Spanish uh, version <laughs> instead which is Good for them, but uh, yeah, no, Excellent. it's going to be my first away trip in Europe for a, for a game, for an mm. Arsenal game. At least, been that's brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm excited for it. It's going to be great. Um, thank you to everyone joining us in the chat box. Really appreciate your time and those listening on Catch Up and watching on Catch Up as well. Leave your comments and thoughts on anything that we've discussed today. Um, Raj, thank you for your time, my friends. Very much appreciate it. Tell people they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me at 3CD Performance. Um, in New York this weekend, so I can watch the game at a reasonable hour, at least 10 a.m. instead of seven, which is nice. And so, and then I take back what I said earlier. Tom does have some info. He has medium. Level. <laughs> right. You read my tweet earlier, you know. Yeah, yeah the, the chat. I did. The chat box. The chat box took it very harshly. What I just said. <laughs> no, they're they're messy. They're, I know. Good stuff. At 3 Seabird Performance uh, on Twitter and, of course, on YouTube as well. Make sure you subscribe to Doc's YouTube channel and, of course, following him on socials for the latest insights injury-wise. Uh, and, of course, his football opinions, which are semi-good as well. Um, Sophie, <laughs> thank you for jumping on, mate. Appreciate your time. Uh, tell people they can find you what you're going to be up to. Thanks for having me. I've resolved the internet issue now. The next one is to get in a room that doesn't echo so much. These, these Cypress, fine. Um, is fine. it good? Okay, good, yeah, good, good. Um, Highbury mm. squad and uh, this Saturday, our uh, women's uh, show, this is a WSL, so our women's show kicks off uh, this Saturday, which we're really excited about. Um, Demi and Ariaga will be hosting that. And then Super Kev and I will return for a very cool episode of Monday Madness. You won't want to miss that. So thanks for having me, Tom. And thanks to all the the um, the talkies in the in the chat box. Oh, we're not starting this. It's not happening. <laughs> the talkies is not a card. It sounds like a really bad telephone award ceremony is what it sounds like. Yeah. It's like the, the Razzies. Like the Razzies. <laughs> oh, the Soapies. I had on Friends, I remember, as well. I'll stop um, now. Yeah, thank you, Chatbox. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Uh, massive thank you to Raj and Sophie as well for joining me. Owen will hopefully be back next week. He was sadly working this evening, couldn't join us, but we send him our best. Um, and yeah, uh, have a fantastic evening, day, afternoon, wherever you happen to be in the world. And uh, we'll see you again soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.